0: Good morning, friends. If you're new here at Evergreen today or just visiting us today, I just want to introduce myself. My name's Ann. I'm one of the pastors here, and so glad you could join us. Well, I'm on week three of 40 Days in the Word. I hope you've been enjoying the book of Mark. But I have a whole different question for you today. I'd like to see a show of hands. How many of you love action films? Okay, quite a quite a few okay now in just a minute I'm gonna have a scene from an action movie come up on the screen this is a contest so get the competitive juices going and I you don't want to shout it out you want to raise your hand and Jared's gonna help me he's gonna stand up here look out we're gonna look for the first hand up the and then it'll be who gets it right so keep those hands up okay and if you can guess this scene let's put it up there who knows what movie this is right here Yes, it is, Sarah Farley. You have won two movie tickets. Yeah. I really should do a whole series of them, don't you think? Yeah. There needs to be more than one prize. Well, what I want to lodge in everybody's mind with that little talk about action, uh, about an action movie, is that an action movie is one whose storyline is fast-paced. It has, is filled with activities and conflict and it usually involves a heroic protagonist and it involves chase scenes sometimes stunts and of course sometimes some weaponry as well and I want to propose to you that acts has all of these elements the acts of the apostles the book that we're about to pick up in a few days from now It reads like a great action movie leaping out from the pages of the New Testament. It's absolutely one of my favorite books to get to read because it's the power and love of God on display through the lives of ordinary men and women like you and me. And when I read it, I'm recharged with God's mission through my life in his big world. And if I'm going through a tough time, if I'm in a rough stretch, then I feel encouraged um, that I'm not alone, that I'm actually participating in the sufferings of Jesus, that hardship happens to us as we follow Jesus, and it's a part of living out the gospel. But the question is, what about you today? Are you ready to be recharged today for some, or some realignment of your life to God's mission through you in your world because that's what he wants to do. Are you ready to be freshly empowered with the Spirit of God? And to see a new boldness in your life? And to see some of these amazing things that God does through his Spirit happen through you in your relationship? Well, I want to encourage you today because we could add some more chapters. And instead of the Acts of the Apostles, we could call it a bit more humbly, the Acts of the Disciples. And it'd be our stories, yours and mine, this week. And I want to encourage you on that. And our big idea today and every week of this series is one simple idea, that God's word helps us know the word, Jesus. That God's word helps us know the word, Jesus. And there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. So in a few days, we're gonna finish up the book of Mark, which has been just rich. And we're gonna begin reading Acts on Friday. And this book can keep you on the edge of your seat. In fact, it should come with a warning label that says, do not read unless you want your status quo of your relationship with Jesus to be seriously interrupted. Because this book will challenge you to the amazing work that God wants to do through you in the world. And it's going to be a lot of fun getting there. So let's take a look at the book of Acts. And we're going to take it from the... A uh, 45,000 foot view of the book of Acts. And then I'll share a few tips at the end on how we can really be successful in getting through all 28 chapters. Um, just a few tips for that. So you ready to go? Okay, so you've watched an action show. It might be on TV or it might be an action film. And it ends with a cliffhanger. Sometimes it says to be continued if it's one of those action shows on TV, right? And what do we say when that happens? Yeah, yeah. And in our minds, we're going, what happens next? And some of us will speculate, right? Anybody who's in the room watching usually will speculate. Oh, I know what they're going to start with this next year, I know what happened. But the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all end with the same cliffhanger. And Acts comes to our rescue to help us know what happened next. You see, Acts is the only New Testament book that contains a clear historical account of what happened after Jesus' death. Resurrection and Ascension. And it's really an action-packed story of how the church grew and spread from Jerusalem throughout the known empire, Roman empire. And it covers a span of about three decades. And in those three short decades, this small group of believers that gathered in Jerusalem after Jesus' resurrection and just before his ascension... These believers were transformed into an empire-wide movement of people who had committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And it ends with Paul waiting for his opportunity to share the gospel with the highest government official in the land, the emperor of Rome himself, as Paul turns that on its head. So, Luke The writer of the Gospel of Luke is also the author of Acts. And it's thought to have been written in one volume initially, and they divided it into two volumes, Luke and Acts. And they were both written by Dr. Luke, as we say. You see, Paul says he was a physician and his ministry companion along with him, starting about Acts 16 on. And he's called the beloved physician by Paul in Colossians 4.14, which indicates a lot of affection and closeness between them. They were ministry partners, and Luke was one of the few Gentiles who was part of the missionary band that traveled with Paul. Now, Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke, and They were both written to the same man, a man named Theophilus, whose name meant friend of God. But we know very little about this man. You know, some scholars think he might have been a Roman official, but we don't know that. They surmise that because in one place in the scriptures, he's called the honorable Theophilus. But beyond that, we know nothing else about him except that he knew God. The title, though, of the book of Acts tells us a lot because Acts is in the Greek word praxis. And praxis literally means to do. So it's the acts of the apostles, not the musings, not the philosophies, not the discussions, and not the dreams of the apostles, but the acts of the apostles. So it is a story of the exploits and the spreading of the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit through these initial apostles. And make no mistake about it, Luke wants us to know that God did his work. He started the church with ordinary people like you and me. He did these amazing exploits to just everyday people so that we can see ourselves in this story. And Luke is focused on actions that resulted in people coming to know Jesus. And he primarily focuses on two leaders, first Peter in the first 12 chapters, and for the rest of the book, it's Paul. But with them, They all had ministry companions. They all had teams of people who were traveling with them, who were ministering with them. But those are the two main characters. And the main storyline of Acts is well summarized or well described in Acts 1.8, a verse familiar to many people. And these words were shared by Jesus himself with his little band of disciples there in Jerusalem before he ascended to the Father. He told them this, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That summarizes well this book. But Luke is not just writing a historical account of the early church for us. As much as we value having one primary source on those first 30 years of the church, we are really getting something more than that from Luke. It's not just a history book. It is also a narrative of encouragement for the church, capital C, past, present, and future. And Luke wants to encourage us in several ways. And he does this through five major themes that run through the entire book from beginning to end. And these themes are things that we live with, that we see in our world today. So let's take a look at these five themes. And after each theme, I just want to pose a couple questions. They're there on your outline. And I'll leave those with you. As you read through the book, you can find some answers and dig in for yourself. So let's look at that first theme is that the mission of the church is to help people find and follow Jesus. Now that's the way we say it, but what Luke is getting at in the book of Acts is that the essential task of the early church and of us, capital C, is spreading the gospel. From the opening chapter of Acts to the final chapter, Luke tells the story of how these early Christians shared the word of God across the Roman Empire. This was job one for the church. And here at Evergreen, we talk about, well, how are we sharing the gospel? How do we do that? And one of the things we use is this bookmark. It's a reminder for us. It's Find, Tell, Bring, and it was on your seats as you came in. And on the back side, mine has a love list. This is just one of the empty ones. I keep it in my Bible with about 15 different names right now. I have somebody on there who's been on my list for 40 years. So I need more effective prayers, I guess. But it's Find somebody and build an authentic relationship with them. I say love them until they ask why. And then share what you know about Jesus. And then invite them to church. And that's just one way, but it's just giving you a tool in your hand to think about how I can participate in sharing the gospel in my job, my school, in my neighborhood, when I'm with people in doing business. In all kinds of ways. So bring. As you read through Acts, then, consider how you are participating in the mission with people in your sphere of influence. Who are the people that you're sharing the good news with? That brings us to theme number two: The gospel is for everyone. everyone. Gentiles are included in God's family, and there is no room for discrimination. Listen to this early invitation for all to respond to the gospel. This is at the end of Peter's sermon in Acts 2, where they asked him, what shall we do? And he replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now I love it that the book of acts doesn't paint this prettier than it is. You see in fact it's not warm and fuzzy and easy when the gentiles were included in the gospel message. It had all the tensions that we experience today when we talk about racism and when we talk about inclusion and exclusion and When Christians across the the ages have tried to decide who's in and who's out. And the message of Acts is everyone is included in the good news. Everyone. And that's how we want to live as well. In Acts 10 and 11, we see uh, Peter being sent to this man named Cornelius, this Gentile, and he shares the gospel, and Cornelius and his whole household respond, and in fact, the Holy Spirit comes on him and, and power, and they begin to speak in tongues, and it was a radical experience. But this was also a radical experience for the Jewish believers back in Jerusalem who were critical. And when Peter got back to Jerusalem, you can look there in Acts 11, he had to explain himself to them. But after he told the whole story of what God did, it said they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Do you have any even to people in your life, even to them, Lord? Then in Acts 13 46, it's the Sabbath, and Paul and Barnabas are at the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, and they have this is one of the early stops in their first missionary journey. It says that almost the whole city had gathered there to hear the word of the Lord, but the Jews were jealous of these big crowds that Jesus was drawing, so they began to heckle Jesus, basically, to Contradict what he was saying and to heap abuse on him as he was preaching. Listen to Paul and Barnabas' response. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Do you think that's going to make the Gentiles more popular? Not really. These tensions were not, are not resolved throughout the book of Acts. And in fact, even today, this tension exists. Who's in and who's out? Who is the good news for? Who does it include? And it doesn't resolve itself even at the end where Paul, in a statement in Acts 28, he calls together a group of Jewish leaders there in Rome. And because of their response to the gospel, this is what he says. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. And turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. So, just giving you a snapshot of how Luke in this Acts of the Apostles talks to us about how the gospel is for everyone, and he reminds us in our own divided culture that the good news of Jesus' love and forgiveness is for everyone everyone. So as you read Acts yourself in these next four weeks or so, who is the other in your life? Who is the even to them in your life? And how can you move forward with them to share the love and good news of Jesus? How can you take a step closer? That brings us to the third theme that Luke gives us in the book of Acts. He said, we need the Holy Spirit's help for our mission. Acts emphasizes the place of the Holy Spirit in leading and empowering his church. So this action-packed story kind of begins with a mystery, though, with kind of an air of mystery. This is what I love about Acts. Acts. So we're right there in chapter two and the people in the upper room are gathered and they're waiting like Jesus told them to wait to be clothed with power from on high. But here's the deal. They don't know when it's gonna happen and they don't know how it's gonna happen. This is kind of strange, isn't it? Sitting in a room waiting for something that you don't know what it's gonna be and when it's gonna come. I, I really admire that about them. I'd like to talk to them about it. So there's this air of mystery and they had no idea how it was gonna play out, but when it did happen, The early story of the church started with a bang. Let me read the description in Acts 2, 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow, do you think they really imagined that? I wonder what, how that met with their expectations, You know how they thought that would play out when Jesus said, wait for power from on high. But what Luke reaffirms over and over through this book is that the power and activity of the Holy Spirit accompany God's word and his proclamation, his good news, wherever it's happening. That you'll see three things that come wherever the holy spirit is present the gifts of the spirit the power of the spirit for god's purposes whatever is needed at that time and thirdly boldness a new boldness to proclaim god's story so as you're reading through acts and you're reading story after story of the holy spirit moving in people's lives and the outcomes that happened i want to encourage you review your own story And look for his work in you and through you. And where in your life and relationships would you like to see more of the Holy Spirit's power and gifts and purposes worked out? Let's see what God will show you there. That brings us to theme number four. The gospel is going to triumph. The good news will triumph, but not without suffering and persecution. Oh, you were just waiting for that one today, weren't you? Good news. (laughs) Jesus wins, but it's going to be difficult. Okay, there's going to be a battle. This is demonstrated throughout the book. Let's just start at the beginning when the day of Pentecost happened. These guys have the Holy Spirit come on them, and immediately they begin to be mocked and accused of being drunk by some of the onlookers. You get into chapters three and four and you've got Peter and John. They're just innocently walking to go pray and they get a guy, a lame guy who asks them for some money and instead they heal him and there's an uproar and the Sanhedrin, they get thrown in jail and they have to appear before the Sanhedrin where they are ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Only six chapters into Acts and we see Stephen being stoned on the heels of preaching a sermon out in public a sermon that caused great ang- angst and anger among the Jews. A few chapters later, we sing King Herod curry the favor of some of those same Jewish leaders by killing James, putting him to death. And only a miracle saves Peter from the very same fate. So as the disciples moved out from Jerusalem into the Roman world, opposition dogged them at every step. And Paul's exploits are shared in great detail in his story and his suffering in the book of Acts. And one of the things it reinforces for us is no matter how innocent a Christian may be, no matter how loving they may be, there will be opposition. There will be hardships. And Paul and Barnabas expected this. Listen To their words, as they went back through these cities to strengthen and encourage the disciples to persevere, to stand firm in the faith, here's what they said. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Does that sound like a strengthening and encouraging message? <laughs> not what we typically think, right? For the, and the optimist, you know, it's like, they to pump you up. You know, that's not what they did. <clears throat> that would be in my own strength. No, instead, one of the things they said is you need to expect this. That this is part of living out the gospel truth in our culture. And it still is today. And when we encounter this opposition and we encounter persecution, then what we can do is know we're not alone. We're sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We're sharing in the sufferings of Paul. We're sharing in the sufferings of Peter. We're sharing in the sufferings of all the hundreds of millions of saints who have gone before us and suffered. And hopefully that helps us stand firm. So as you read through the book of Acts, I want to encourage you to note what happens when believers meet with opposition, all different kinds. And what does that look like in your life? And how did people in the early church respond? And how do you respond? And see what God might show you. That brings us to our fifth and final theme that Luke gives us in the book of Acts. He shows us the life, leadership, and teamwork of the early church. It's just all through it. Even though he tells the story of two big-time leaders, Peter and Paul, it is not without telling along with it the stories of their ministry partners and teams, even by name in most cases. Let's just review a few of these examples. First of all, in the very opening chapter, after Jesus' ascension, when the disciples are all gathered together, their first job was to replace Judas, one of the twelve. Even one leader short was one leader short. They had to replace him. And they did that first task. That isn't the top thing that would have come to my mind. Peter and John, they're just on their way to pray, but they're not doing that solo. They're doing that together. And therefore, there are two of them there to experience the healing that happened to the lame man, to get thrown in jail together, to stand up to the Sanhedrin and speak in the name of Jesus together. Doing it together. You read a little further into Acts, and you have seven leaders that need to be appointed in order to ensure that both the Greek and the Hebrew widows are being cared for well. And just a little bit further in Acts 9, after Paul gets saved, Barnabas comes alongside of him, takes him in when all the other believers were afraid of him, and vouches for him. And they become ministry partners over the next few chapters, and then do amazing missionary journeys, starting churches all over the place. And then you have Antioch's teaching team where it says, Paul, Barnabas, and many others taught the word of God to them. It was a team effort. There were no superstars. And then finally, Paul revisits all these churches that he started on his final missionary journey so that he can strengthen them, encourage them, and appoint elders in every city. So Acts is the book in the New Testament that gives us the picture of the life, leadership, and teamwork that happened in the early church. And that can be a model for us. So as you read through the book of Acts in these next four weeks, I encourage you, take note of the small groups, the teams, and the partnerships that you see in this early church and in the pursuit of their mission to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, I want to give a warning with it. You will find conflict. You will find disappointment. And you will find messiness. Because the church is people. Leaders are people. And we are all messy together. But that did not negate the fact that we still need each other. And that still throughout the early church, you see this web, this tight-knit, many, many teams that are working together. So look for lessons along the way as you read through Acts. So are you ready to start reading Acts on Friday? Yeah, I hope you're excited about it. I am. And now I want to just talk about, so how can I be successful, more successful, at um, reading through all 28 chapters over the next four weeks? Um, The schedule's a little bit longer than that, maybe four and a half weeks. Well, first of all, I want to just talk about these six tips real quickly. First one is set a regular time to read, to spend this quality time with Jesus When you're establishing a habit, when you reduce the number of decisions that you have to make, you are more successful. You use more willpower if every day you've got to make the decision over and over again. Well, now I'm going to do it this time. Well, now I'm looking for this time. So I encourage you to set a regular time to do this because consistency is the most important thing in being successful. So when I was in Los Angeles, it was one of the hardest times for me to make the transition uh, with my quiet time. You know, every season of life brings different challenges. When you have kids, that was the first challenge. And uh, the set the regular time, I learned this from reading Ruth Graham's book, It's My Turn, where she talked about raising five kids with her husband on the road most of the time. And how did she develop her time with Jesus and his word? And she left her Bible open in a special place out of the kids' reach to where she was reading. And she said, I took 10 minutes here and 5 minutes here and 10 minutes here. And that was a plan. And she was successful because of it. And that inspired me. During that season of my life. But when we moved to LA, we had two kids. They were playing basketball in high school. And it was a girl and a boy. So Monday, Tuesdays were one girls games. Thursday, Friday, boys games. So basically four nights a week. Basketball, an hour commute on either end of the drive into um, Los Angeles. And this took a big chunk of our time that hadn't been taken before. And so I will tell you that it took me nine months to be consistent. It took me nine months. But don't give up try something else I wished I had called somebody in to help me brainstorm some other approaches set a regular time find a solitary place just this is your own space free of distractions or as free of it as you can make it and I encourage you pick a familiar and focused place and I've used all different places I mentioned the bathtub when the kids were real little with a pillow worked because my kids were morning kids like I'm a morning person and so if they heard me too early they just got up earlier And I relived that over the last 11 days with my grandkids. Let's see, I think I got up, my earliest was 3 in the morning, okay, looking for that little window of time before they did, but okay, their earliest was they got up at 4.36, okay. I got up at 4 that day, I thought I'd really beat them at 4.36, the first one was down the stairs, just like I would be, cheery, full of life, wanting to talk about everything, So I've lived this reality. Um, If you need to brainstorm with someone, just talk to me. Um, The third thing is to use a reading plan. Again, this is about reducing the number of decisions you have to make. If every day you're having to decide where you're going to read, you're not going to get at it very much. And secondly, uh, so that's one piece of it. You will be more successful if you do that. But secondly, it improves your diet. Now, I have some favorite things I've got to show you here. If I was just eating what I wanted... All the time, this is what it would be. That's right, cheddar and sour cream ruffles. Who hears me? Who feels me? The coffee almond fudge and the Americone Dream, if it's Ben and Jerry's, okay? But I'm open to other flavors. So, you know, if I ate this for a month, I'd hate to see my blood tests or my shape, okay, by then. But that's what I love. And the thing is, when you don't have a plan, this is what happens with the Bible, Oh, I love Psalms. I think I'll just, you know, stay there. The thing is, the whole Bible gives us the whole revelation of who God is that we can have this side of seeing him face to face, right? And so our tendency without a plan is to not get all the pieces. And over time, we want to have read it all. And let God speak to us out of all of it. So I highly encourage that. And you can find so many great plans on YouVersion.com. And uh, I encourage you, start with a book of the Bible. If you're just starting, pick one book and go through that book of the Bible. So it's use a reading plan and then record what you want to remember. Literally record it. Um, you can use your phone because maybe writing's not your thing. So you can record it. Record what you want to remember. Now, the other way is to write it down. And I do journaling, but I know people who writing makes it hard for them. They don't think that way. So get get into record it, and there's so many great apps out there to do this, record what you want to remember. Why do I do that? Uh, Because it makes me more spiritual, because I have five more brownie points with God. Not at all. None of this is about that. This is about saying, I don't want to forget what God has shown me. I want to remember it. What if he gave me a promise today? I don't, I'm, i maybe you guys are photographic memories and all that, but I'm not, I need the help. So I like to record it and I encourage you to do it as well. And that brings us, um, to the next one, which is make yourself accountable to someone. This isn't the kind of accountability you might think like, um, oh, you wretched soul, you missed three days. It's more, Hey, how's it going? How to go this week for you, and you say, "Well, I got four days in, and then we brainstorm. How could I get six days or five days? What happened for you? Um, I was very blessed because when I had kids at home, and the kids were really little, um, Jared and I, he made sure that I had an opportunity to have a quiet time, and that's something that spouses can do for each other, is figuring out that. But guess what? Everybody doesn't have that. So do you have a roommate? Do you have a friend? Do you have a sibling? You could partner with. And the cool thing is, then when you get stuck, when you've tried 500 things, like I felt like I had in L.A., then I can talk to someone and we can brainstorm it. Like, what about this? Maybe you could try it this way. And that can be really helpful. So that's the kind of accountability. I'm talking about helping each other be successful, not reminding each other how we failed. There's a difference. And last of all is adjust what isn't working. You know how to finish this sentence. Right? If you keep doing the same things, you'll get the same results. So if you want different results, you just have to keep trying. And it, it is that way across our lifetime because our lives keep changing. Every move I've ever made, every season of life I've ever been in has required me to flex and to come up with a different plan. So why is getting to know God's Word so important? Because God's Word helps us know the Word, Jesus It's all about relationship with him. And when you and I understand who Jesus is more and more, when we get to know him better, we become more confident in who he says we are, more confident in his love for us and his presence with us, more able to go through tough stuff without falling apart Because we understand that we're not alone and that God's given us help along the way and that God has a purpose in it and that I'm sharing in something difficult, but I'm with Him. These are the things that will happen as we cherish God's Word as a way to get to know Him better. We want for us, Jared and I want across our lifetime to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't wanna get stuck. There's always something new from our creator for us. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for us today that we'd be freshly filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word. And Lord, I pray that our affections would be set on you that we would want you more than anything else, that we would want to know you more than anything else. And Lord, I pray that your word would come alive for those who've struggled, for those who've given up, for those who've tried and restarted many times. Lord, let this be a time where they really begin to see what you want to show them in your word. Lord, let it be a dynamic week for each person with you, getting to know you better. And then just with your eyes closed, I just want to ask if there's anybody here who hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe that's where you're at. You came here today not knowing God, wondering about Him. Maybe you're seeking. And today's your day. And I just want to give you an opportunity. I just want to invite you to respond to Jesus, to say yes to Him, to what He did on the cross. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, all for you. To tell you that you're loved, that you're forgiven, that your relationship can be right with him. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to come live in you. If that's you today, if you just raise your hand and just acknowledge that to me. I just want to agree with you. I won't call you out or anything like that. But if you just raise your hand up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Is there anybody else I don't want to miss you? Yeah. So Jesus... Thank you for your Holy Spirit given to us now. We receive your love for these that have said yes to you, for these who are, want to follow you. So Lord, help them this week experience that journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen.